The following is an archive podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Other Side and Beyond. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Hello and welcome. Thanks for coming out to uh, Poems for Homes tonight. Uh, It's really fantastic that you all paid real money to listen to poems. Uh, You could have done anything fun instead, but you you people are dedicated to art and our passion for art. Uh, My name is Thomas Kincaid Jr., uh, pitchfork writer extraordinaire. I'm responsible for uh, pitchfork reviews from 6.5 up to 7.6. Um, often considered one of the most important uh, bands of reviews on there. Um, And now I'm an entrepreneur uh, with my new LLC, Poems for Homes. Um, But you already knew that, you know. So let's let's bring some poets out here and and we'll discuss what we're doing tonight. You want to introduce yourself or... I thought you were going to... My name is Joseph Rogan, no relation. I'm a poet, I'm a visual artist, I am unemployed. I'm uh, going through a really hard time right now, basically all the time. So when I say that, that I'm going through a hard time right now, I'm always going through a hard time. Let me clarify that right there. Is there something, I thought you were gonna introduce us or do something, do I just keep talking? I feel like everybody thinks I'm a fucking loser now. Well, if you didn't say that, they might not have, but now, I mean, the, the jury's out. Let's, let's keep going around getting some introductions here. Who do, who do we have here? Yeah, you have to use a mic. You have to use a microphone. Pick it up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. My name is Jerome Duropa. It's a fine chair. Just sit down. It's a fine thing. Well, the, the thing is, is I... I, I I had a secret beer in my pocket, but it was open, so. <laughs> uh, I'm Jerome Duropois. You're just going to stand the whole time? I'm the leader of these poets. He's not the leader of it. He's standing up. They live in my house that okay. I, uh, my father owns and uh, has kicked us out because he's renting it out now. And we lived there for free, and he said we could still live there, but we don't want to live there with them because they're not poets. So technically we're homeless, but I have $119,000 in my checking account. So, do you have some place to stay for us tonight and your female? We're couch surfing, which sounds cooler. And Jurgen, do you want to give us some uh, background on who you are? There's a brutal assumption that happens when you're a best-selling author in one country <laughs> and you come to another. It would be, seem rude to introduce myself as Jurgen Natsel's son author of the best-selling book in Norway's history, the 17-volume autobiography, My Personal Holocaust. (laughs) Jürgen's been great. He's been great. He's been traveling with us. He lived with us for a small period to get away from his son. (laughs) And um, ever since then, he's really inspired me to be young because he's so old. Yeah, so as uh, Jerome was saying, these uh, brilliant poets all became homeless when Jerome's father 
tried to rent out other rooms of Boost House Midwest. So I wanted to do something with my new LLC, Poems for Homes, to help these guys, where the, basically the deal is, uh, these guys can sell chat books, I'll take 50% of what they make, and the rest of it will go toward buying a home. So if you sell maybe you know, $300,000 of chat books, they're gonna have their own place and they won't have to be at the whims of his father. So it's really great that you all supported this cause tonight. For those of you who don't know what a chat book is, it's about a, as, a, about a tenth as long as a novel and most of the paper within it is actually blank. <laughs> and it costs nearly the same amount and it's usually made on printer paper. But other than that, it's the exact same as a feature full leg novel in terms of artistic credibility. I would just point out that printer paper is more organic and natural than some of these papers you're seeing in books that are, have weird chemicals on them and they've been processed. This is a little bit healthier for the environment, the way we kind of do things. Right. You know, those, those papers are toxic for a long time. Me and Joseph here lived off those papers. That's all we ate was paper. Because we eat our poem, we would read our poems, and we'd you say these are yeah. these are not good, but we just eat them to you know get rid of them. Yeah, because they're shit. The so why do we make gonna, them yeah. actual shit? We'll turn them into real shit because we're not talented. We're nobody, frauds. I mean, to make a good poem, it probably takes seven or eight hundred drafts. So and more than I mean, that, there's a or lot just of, there's a lot to eat. you know, it could take all those drafts, or it could just take one. I and write you one, just, and I'm like, it's done. And then it's you're perfect. just like, whatever, it's out the door. Well, I mean, we've done enough talking about poems, but maybe we should uh, give the people what they came for here and uh, share a little bit of our art. Oh, you have some poems with us tonight, too, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. any opportunity to um, expand my brand. So are you going to go first, Jerome, or can you? So I have to be the leader as usual, okay? No, you're not the leader. I can go first if I'm the leader. You played right into his hands. See, I fine. definitely feel like he's the leader, but he's sitting there. He's got it, and he was, he was saying backstage that he wanted to go first, and you know, we're arguing backstage, and Jurgen's just ignoring us, and, and it wasn't an argument. I just said what I had to say, and you just yeah, but out. okay, it wasn't just what you had to say. You also like very much hurt my feelings and triggered a lot of reoccurring PTSD, which is words that I don't want to hear most of the time. There was right, well, a you know, almost the poems I wanted to read are in this one. I forgot they're on my phone. <laughs> There's so. almost a pornographic quality in the conflict between the two men <laughs> who I've shared a domicile with every day. They seem to penetrate each other with words. <laughs> but their climax is one of passive aggression. There is no POV of this film. <laughs> anyway, this poem is called A Summary of Your Compromised Existence. PTSD is getting a stomach ache when someone doesn't text you back. I can't wash my hair because shampoo will get in my eyes and I will cry. I love to wash my hair then. I only eat uncooked rice and oats. I love a young couple lost in each other's bullshit. I should be like them. I haven't shit in over a year. God is constantly giving me an Indian burn. 
I'm basically if Jeff Buckley was anemic. <laughs> Fuck brunch. Let's make a festival together. I'm full of stars and I need a blanket to wrap them in. Will you be my bitch? <laughs> By the way, sports are pointless. I had to throw up before I read your text. Can you get the flu from your feelings? I feel like I always have to be in incognito mode around you. You can try to give me CPR, but cigarettes will suffice. <laughs> I notice people trust me. I would too. I will carry a polearm with me and destroy anyone who harms women, and I'm not sorry. Sometimes I shake so hard, I feel like I'm Neo from the Matrix, except my bitch legs give out and I wake up with a giant hot water bottle on my head. A blade couldn't cut to the center of my unspeakable condition, AKA loving you. Don't betray me or else I might have to love you more. I'm noticing a little bit of uh, laughter out there, which just seems inappropriate. Keep in mind that this, this man is homeless, and you're punching down by laughing at what he has to say. I mean, I think we should just keep reading the poem over and over until no one laughs at it. And then I feel like maybe we could move on past then, because I think an artist doesn't get respect, it demands it. I mean, what do we have, six or seven hours tonight? We have, cool I that. think we have until about 2 a.m. We have until the, li the iPhone life of that battery. <laughs> yeah. there, so. Then the Kiwanis Club is going to kick us out. Um, Joseph, do you want to read a poem? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can oh, talk. He has that. on his phone, too. Really original. I'm, I was making like a statement. Like, it's ironic. It I was have. not a statement. You just read a poem. You've read that poem other places before, too. I'm going to stand, gonna up, stand up, of course, yeah. so he's going to stand up for it. Because how is everyone supposed to know who's talking? It's like you've never read a poem in front of anyone before. Because he's above everyone has to stand. If this tour doesn't fuck... If this fucking tour doesn't go right... I don't want to cuss. I don't want to be... I don't want to get in there right now. What's this your heart rate like right now? Fuck! This poem is called Dear Phonies. <laughs> I am the apostle of the upcoming apathy revolution. What's that, Dad? Get a real job? You mean like you? You might want to cover your fucking ears. Because, yeah, I guess I was born with a little bit of Tabasco sauce where my heart should be. And this isn't a fucking Disney fairy tale. I'm fucking addicted to taking Spanish fly. <laughs> and when I do, I guess that isn't PG-13 enough for you to protect your fucking lie of a life that you try to wrap me in. Oh, Mr. Smith comes home from work and Mrs. Smith has made a nice meatloaf for him. But guess what, surprise ending? They're both racist. <laughs> Why don't I go apply for a fucking job then, huh? And I guess you want me to sign up for the Klan while I'm at it? <laughs> yeah, 
N you know which clan I'm talking about. The Ku Klux one. <laughs> the salad days are over. Imagine the American flag dipped into a big spittoon filled with blood. Betsy Ross getting her head blown off by a Russian insurgent. Imagine a political cartoon where a man carrying a large bag of money with a dollar sign on it is getting sucked off by Uncle Sam. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking so I don't hurt your feeble little mind. See, I wish I was like you. I really do. I wish I could be phony. I wish I didn't get so traumatized by the truth. Just daily flying into my eyes like so many lemon parties. I wish I was fucking dumb enough to get excited about something so stupid as a touchdown. Guess I'm just cursed a genius. And that's why I won't apply for a job. It's my truth. So put me on the cross like I'm a, like I'm a fucking dog. Like a stray dog that you take and you put up on a Roman-style torture cross. Like a dog that was in that exact same position that Jesus is in, but it's a stray dog. Because I'm like Jesus, but with better hair. I'm shaking just hearing that. That had to take a lot of courage to express yourself like that. Well, I've been working on that one for a long time, and I finally finished it after about 30 seconds. I would, I would just like to say I would hate to be a phony tonight and be in this audience and hear what you had to say about phonies. It made, this poem made me evaluate myself. of like, am I a phony? You know, I didn't... Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to live my truth and also tell other people what their truths are so they can, <laughs> they can live it in accordance with mine. So I'd like to share a poem, if I may. I mean, you're the host. Well, I'm trying to pretend to be cordial here. This poem is called... Just read a poem. This poem is called A Broken Heart is Right Twice a Day. I gave you the best three weeks of my life. You gave me a broken heart. Now my heart is broken and doesn't work so good. It still pumps blood and all the things I need to live but it's fucked up in different emotional ways. You were a pie cooling on the windowsill of my heart. Still too hot to touch and yet too succulent to resist. And although the hijinks of our love ended in folly, I must admit that a broken heart is right twice a day. Once in the morning in the bushes outside your home when I watch your car pull out of the driveway, then slip an anonymous letter to your mailbox asking do you like me, check yes or no. The second time in the evening, when I walk up to your window and cut my hands around my eyes and press them against your living room window to see if you've read the letter. There it is on the table next to the TV guide because you're 87 years old and you have TV guide. The letter is open, but neither box is checked. I just want to say that it took me a lot of courage to say that. I'm really proud of you how brave you are for saying such as just a mid-tier poem. You do this thing every night. Get over yourself. Well, you have something else to, to share with us? Jerome, if you want to talk to I believe our friend Jürgen does. Being remembered last is <laughs> almost worse than being hypothetically pulled out from the first of a line and shot in the head a thousand times. 
with an infinity clip. If need be, I can present my poem. This is called The Callousness of the Pines. The profanity of the ground, defamed by the divinity of the air. My son's awful hat covered his more awful hair. There is a symmetry of the asymmetry in, in, in encompassing silence. The crunching of the pine cones, auditory violence. I came here to realize my own son. Features of his mother, there are none. <laughs> he interrupts infinity to lay his beat. <laughs> My attempts to parent ended in defeat. <laughs> Anguish falls as he waves his hands. They call me Mr. Condom, a father in perdition. I understand your son was with us for a little bit of the tour. My son is a very young 27. Um, He's I very do not successful in the Twitch channel. I do not appreciate how often he hockey style pearled my shirt off of my head and left me trapped like that. But when I would try to interject, he would just say, pussy says what? And I would... <laughs> Frozen because if I if I talked, I would have confirmed my status as a pussy. It's very hard. Maybe some more poems um, about nature will calm you. We have been working on that. Um, we all kind of decided. Yeah, well, I have a poem. It's not about nature, but I'm going to read it. This one's called Two Weeks Notice on My Heart." <laughs> I'm at work. Where are you? I'm turning into a human stomach ache. Everyone is judging me for being honest enough to hurt. This isn't qu me quitting you. I'm just putting in my two weeks. That big rock over there would be perfect for someone to trip and hit their head on. You should know this might be the last time you see me because I swallowed a piece of gum this morning. <laughs> you look tired. Are you mad at me? All of your friends have been calling me a weird pussy, and it honestly feels like it's resulting in me flailing my string bean arms around and putting a hole in my wall. This sucks. This just sucks. You don't even listen to my podcast. Can I read another one? No. Right. Is it about you cannot read two in a Is row. Is it about nature? Right? I mean, no, I feel like we I talked about this at the same time. We talked about what we were going to do in the order of things you were going to do, and it would have a natural flow to things, and I feel like you're ruining everything by not letting us have All a right, natural flow to things. If you're going to melt down, you could just do it. I'm not melting down. I'm just talking He thinks quickly. he's a leader. No, I'm he's sorry. He's acting like a regular rock star okay, over here. Okay, well, he thinks he's a leader. He doesn't even stand up when he reads his poems. He just sits there. How is anyone supposed to know if they were in the bathroom Because I'm sitting talking? at their level. I'm like you. We're literally we're above their level. We're on a stage. It doesn't matter. It's not my fault I'm on the stage. You okay, well, who's on reading? the stage. Who's going to read something? I'll right? read a poem, all right? I'll read a nature poem like we talked about. Is that okay with you? Yeah, pick your nose. I didn't <laughs> even go near my nose. So anyway, we were talking about a lot of, you know, we're doing poems for homes now, so we're not really doing poems for us anymore. We're trying to, like, get a house because 
I don't know, you know, how to get one. Like you, like you just own a house. Okay, like I own a house. Here's my house. I walk into my house. Like, are you kidding me? Like, is that how that was 300 years ago or something? When a guy built a house and you just, okay, this is my house. Hello, thank you. It's ridiculous, the idea of ownership in this country. So I wrote this. We were talking about doing a more natural, maybe more like 17th century. Uh, Thomas actually had an idea that we were going to create fake poets that wrote in 300 years ago times, which is I don't even know when. It's like a Chris Gaines kind of thing. And I know you did your hair kind of like Chris Gaines here, but I guess we didn't really follow that path. Well, I feel like I have like a natural Gainesian... I don't want to get into my hair. That would be a whole mess of things. But um, this is kind of like our old antiquated nature type stuff we're doing to kind of... It, it works more with selling tools or uh, like old people. So this poem is called Perchance. A bashful clergyman. Consider a friar. Wait, I forgot. I talked shit on him not standing. Consider a friar adorned in a collar and coal cassock, rotund and jovial with cinnamon cheeks, flushed with wine and berries, traipsing through the pastoral countryside as dullards are wont to do. Oh, oh, how he stops in the cattails of the babbling stream to listen to the sonorous coos of the whippoorwill. Oh, oh, oh. That, I think that's what a whippoorwill sounds yeah. like. How his eyes doth cross as he imbibes more spirits from a, cra- from a cask labeled XXX. <laughs> the majesty of nature, Gaia, serenity, the effervescent light blooming through the curtain that is solar and earthly forces meeting in a dalliance of the heavens. The rotund simpleton shields his glazed pupils from the pulchritudinous visage before him. He swipes the condensation from his brow and flees from the beguiling sunset to search for an ancient wooden glen fit for druids and kings in order to pull up the cloth of his linen robe, exposing his rosy ass so that he doesn't expel urine into his only set of clothes as the noble grape from the cask in his hand, lulls him to a drunkard's rest. Oh, good night. Oh, patron of St. Dundas. Good night. Good night, you prince. That was fantastic. It was just, I would that like was to just say a story. Jerome gave up his turn by being um, so, so fussy, I so I would now. like to read a poem next. you're talking about. Well, you gave up your turn to read about nature. So it's I'm not saying. about turns. It's about... This poem is called The Semblance of a Fern. O'er the dewy meadow of my forlorn heart, silvered with fresh fallen rain, the semblance of a fern lies vacant and distant in the shadowy mist. Wherefore has the sallow sparrow flown, an avian bird who once called (laughs) this humble fern her home, her furnace, her hearth, Neighbored by wistful trysts of thistle and conniving ivy, this lonesome fern calls the sparrow her friend no longer. Oh, why, oh, why has thine winged visage escaped the hallowed boughs of this homely leaf-covered plant from which you once did perch? 
Why, dear Sparrow, has your love flown away like a bird from a fern? <laughs> so absent in the night, so lonely is the fern of mine heart, now that thine bird doth flown away and left behind what is now merely the semblance of a fern. <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. I was, I was coughing while I read that. You know, I'm not jealous or anything, but before you people, we had to tell him what a fern was. I thought it was a tree. He thought it was a tree, and then he asked us if it's a plant, and plants are trees, and it was a very confusing conversation, but we got through it, and, you know, he's a phony, is all I'm saying. I had to do a second draft of the poem where I changed plant-covered, or leaf-covered plant. Jürgen, do you want to use a reading From leaf-covered tree. Jürgen, would you like to It was a lot poem? of work. I have uh, no more poems. The uh, forced rhythm, such a construction, feels like what I imagine a corset to feel like, but worse. <laughs> At least a corset performs a beautiful hourgla hourglass, perfect 10 out of 10 <laughs> shape. Whereas a poem just leaves red marks on the mind of the writer. I could read from My Struggle, volume 19. I could write it while you guys read another poem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read one. Since they've harassed me and tortured me into doing the nature poem, which I did before them, I guess I'll read mine. This is called The Warbler's Trestle. <laughs> the Warbler's Trestle was incessant, dressed in bespoke coat, invoking emotion to force the market to purchase a perch, ensconced in opulence and morning dew kisses. The brook which hitherto belonged to the warblers now dried. I wait. There upon the trestle I lay my gun. That has to be one of the top five all-time poems I've heard about a warbler's trestle. This poem. It's a very important emotional poem to me, so I wish you would not mock it with laughter as it is meant to make people cry. So you can feel like crying if you want, or maybe weeping, which I think is like crying squared. <laughs> but if not, that's okay too. But if you laugh, oh my God, I swear to fucking God. <laughs> this poem is called August 4th, 2015. There's a moment in time that hangs like a dewdrop before being strewn on the ground and dissipating, an emotion crystallized to physical form resting firmly in your limbic system. I believe my memory to be an amber bead, no bigger than a fingernail. As it fell, the color left my cheeks for the rest of my life. I always idolized you. Your scarves were the biggest I'd ever fucking seen. You're the coolest, and like, the only bisexual guy since Alan Cummings. <laughs> but what I saw eviscerated this poet's soul. And the only thing left of my heart are the tattered pieces the wind hasn't yet swept away. Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> the name gets my self-diagnosed diseases all riled up. When I saw the picture of your cock, it was flawless. 
smooth, big, full, like a Havana cigar. I could never match up. Not with this little pig in a blanket. My dick has been described as nearly all foreskin. Could never be like my hero. I'm sorry I let you down. Like, like I do everyone. Stupid! 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 Well, this is awkward, but I'd like well, to take us back to you nature. Could, you could read another poem while Jurgen's over there clearly writing one on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, chapter 380 of my personal holocaust. I'm not finished yet. If you could continue with your poems until I'm finished. Well, I will. One more meditation upon the natural world here. This one is called The Big Rock. <laughs> Whereupon, so far and whence, there was. Once was a sylvan forest draped with trees and bathed in the jolly cries of the finches, whose workaday songs waft in the wilderness and caress the oaks and pines like a gentle wind. Amid the rumble of the rill and the gentle shuffling of the tree's leaves, a preponderance of moss sat like a lazy Sunday on a big rock. Oh, the rock was big all right. But it seemed bigger in the days when the extinct beasts of yore treaded and trode over these young grounds, when the forest was built in, but in its infancy, and there was still magic on this spherical, mysterical planet. <laughs> oh, but now the rock has grown old, and the forest has grown bigger and taller, like a baby grows into a person, and the rock's splendor is lesser in comparison to the things of this clime. However... In the eventuality of a weary traveler's arrival in these hallowed parts, perchance the big rock could reclaim the splendor of, splendor of yesteryear, the exuberance of its youth and youthfulness, as perhaps the weary traveler deigns to rest his tired person upon the big rock. That's a true story, by the way. You've, you've literally never been outside. That's what makes my imagination fresher and more vivid because I'm imagining things you could only see. I, I feel like they just fed like Wikipedia articles about trees through a neural network and made it write poems. The brain is the original neural network, so I think we're maybe describing the same process. I, I can't argue with him on that. I know he's wrong, but I don't know enough about neural networks to say that. It's going. It's been a real fucking bad night, huh? I have a I have a poem I can read. It's called "Spilled Rosé on a MacBook." <laughs> Those are serious poems to so stop laughing. God damn it! I hate jacking off. <laughs> it's the greatest. I'm going to turn my bed into a ship sailing beyond the edge. I'm the captain of my own tale, and my own bedroom is Middle Earth. Remember that? I don't. I need to go through hundreds of media tabs to calm down. <laughs> it's 6 p.m. You up? I saw you like a post, so you have to have been on for a minute, and I know you're just ignoring me. Just kidding. What up? You think aliens like holding hands, too? I'm addicted to Rick and Morty again. <laughs> okay, I won't bug you, I guess. Ha. And then there's just a knife emoji. I don't know why I put that, but.
I am I proud to announce that chapter 580. That was my last poem, so I'm done. <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. One of the a million small paper cuts against my dignity I take every day. This is not a poem, as you've been hearing all night, but a autobiographical entry. This is uh, towards the end of the beginning of the middle part of my autobiography. So it would be essentially page 35,000. And I was 14 during this part. Every land party is similar to an organism. Being that it was my final year of Der Gargenstadtstag, the middle period of early late schooling in Norway, I had a violent self-consciousness that culminated in a falsely self-assured cynicism. <laughs> I often sported a mohawk-styled haircut at this time and affected, a deep, and affected the deep, random styles of contemporaries, such as <laughs> Invader Zim and Penny Arcade. <laughs> Despite wearing what was essentially the combat fatigues of sarcasm, this was essentially my first deployment in the bloody combat of youth. Tegan Sarah, my friend from Gürtenstadt camp, <laughs> was there, but that was a small reassurance. Count Taco Gundam, the most admired Gary G Gary's Mod player in all of Northern Europe, was hosting this LAN event. He had just spent his summer training in Winamp backgrounds in Germany. For me to attend his land party was equivalent to an apprentice cobbler attending the circumcision of a future king. <laughs> a white hot sheet of pain constrained my body as he approached me. He was donned in a Control-Alt-Delete t-shirt. <laughs> my mind raced for the appropriate reference, but only sweaty discomfort and the dry chokes of a throat about to say nothing came. Hello, meat puppet. What is the cake, he asked. My tongue taunted me by pretending to know the answer. And my mind knew enough to realize I was the most pathetic low creature in the vicinity. That was wonderful. Yo, that was so smart and European. I'm going to have to hear that back to you know, get all those Europeanisms. I can tell one of the most credible artists of all time because everything you read is just pure agony. Everyone I've ever known has told me to stop writing. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all, they're all mentioned in all of these because this is literally everything that has ever happened in my life. Every single event, every person. It's like the Epstein flight logs for Norway, except nothing... <laughs> Nothing actually happens, and it doesn't incriminate anyone. They just don't want to be involved. <laughs> but I uh, just keep going. <sighs> this poem. <laughs> this poem is called Cover Girl, Miss Perfect, Mwah, Mwah, Mwah. <laughs> hey, Mrs. Hot Shit. <laughs> so you were captain of the high school cheerleading team? You think that means shit now? 
You are the celebrated mediocrity of post-adolescent adolescence. You are the poster girl for the failed American dream, the jukebox and milkshake days of a corrupt, genocidal, imperialistic autocracy have produced you as the epitome of sexualized innocence. A conflicting conundrum of psychosexual inadequacies manifested in a 10 out of 10 hot dime piece super tight smoke show bimbo with a tight slice of sliz that could cut a pickle in half. You are so fucking stupid hot that it makes me sick. You're so fucking hot. You are so fucking hot. Fuck you. You're so fucking hot. I am going to have to fucking laminate this poem so that when I read it and fucking blow fat fucking chunky style mutant ropers all over it like someone shot a fucking can of clam chowder out of a potato gun that isn't completely ruined by my nozzle tipped dick emitting out a fucking nincompoop juice at 300 fucking miles an hour blasting a hole right through flimsy computer paper. I am getting so fucking horny that when I close my eyes, all I can see is fucking season two of Desperate Housewives. <sighs> I am every girl's first boyfriend. <laughs> so what, like you're married now? That's cool, I guess. But did you remember when we drank warm Burnett's and Gatorade under your dad's car 12 years ago? Still married now? Oh yeah, you are? Well guess what? You are perpetual, incessant, American bullshit dream repeated ad nauseum. So what, this husband with a belly like a bag of used diapers, blowing 2.5 kids into you, milking your perceived sexual value, and transforming you into a traditional cocoon to metamorphosize you into your parents, I can only hope your future daughter stays cool and legit. Because guess what, baby? I'm not going anywhere. Warp tour forever. Uh, I would like to um, just make a small critique here. I would have liked to know that I should have brought my earplugs for the volume on that poem. It seemed like it got a little bit heated. Um, and I, I would just like to make a quick aside about our friend Jerome. I feel like he might be the first person to not make it in New York. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't hang. This is the highest population city in America. It's the easiest place to make it anywhere. There's more people making it here than anywhere else in the country. And he couldn't cut it, which is just couldn't kind of it. crazy to me. Not like but, the, the local boy done good, Donnie Trump. Yeah, exactly, you know? Look where he's at, you know? This That's is, what the city does to people. These people are responsible for, for his rise, and, and they're just like him, you know? Right, they put him in home alone. It's their and fault. On that note, I mean, New Yorkers are just kind of rubes, you know what I mean? Like, it's easy to make it here. So I wrote a little something that might play to the crowd a little that they might like to hear. Oh, a little crowd work. Yeah, this one's called uh, New York, New York. Hey, now that's a swell town. <laughs> from AOC to the BQE, from de Blasio <laughs> to DiMaggio, and a heck... Even Donald Trump, we love them all. From Larry King to King Kong, from the Mets to the Jets and all the rest, and hey, Jimmy Fallon's good for a couple laughs. Rikers gets a yikes from me, but who wouldn't love Lady Liberty? From the spot Lou Reed wrote Venus in Furs to the freedom thing where the towers were. From the New Year's ball drop to the Biggie Smalls hip hop. From the tip top of 30 Rock to the drip drop on the sidewalk of a cool New York rain. 
or maybe that's the AC unit. Hey, remember G unit? From Lloyd Banks to Lloyd Blankfein. From Tony Yayo to JP Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Yayo. From 50 Cent to Wall Street Dollars and Cents. Hey, you get the drift. Yes, the fun never stops in old New York town where Jimmy Fallon will cheer you up even if the stocks are down. As you can see, that, play, that kind of stuff plays well here. It's fucking insane how good you are at that. That fucking sucks dick. Fuck! That, that, was, that was the first poem I've heard tonight that wasn't absolutely repulsive. <laughs> you just should have been fucking born in the 50s, Charles. You'd be a fucking billionaire. Fuck you, man. Oh, goddammit. If you guys wouldn't mind, I have one last poem. Oh, do you need some privacy to read this one? I told you guys earlier I needed some privacy, but thanks for explaining it to the audience. I will make my disgusting exit. So this is a poem that's been really hard for me to write. Um, I keep spilling just kombucha on my laptop, that's why. It's not anything to do with emotional, but it's something that I'd rather do privately. You know, privately to an audience of, you know, I don't know how many people, but it doesn't matter. I just don't want people next to me, and I don't want to hear them breathing. It's going to make me fucking insane. So this is a poem that's really important to me. I've been doing this a lot, and it's kind of like a, a different thing for me. I, I, just, I, I feel like I'm stalling, so I'm going to get on with it. This poem is called, I am a fucking loser. <laughs> I can't do a push-up. I have no money. I won't ever be rich. I'll never get that pedophile money. I mean, a child could easily whoop my little ass. I'm always glad that people don't like me. Because if they did, they'd realize eventually what a fucking dumb pussy I am. My face smells like spit. When I walk, my nuts sound like billiard balls just <laughs> clacking, hitting each other. And with my nuts and how long they are, they just make my, they make my dick look like shit. <laughs> my big nuts are ruining my life. My nuts make my dick look like my ass. What if I died? What if I just died? Just what if? But I bet I'm too dumb to die. I want to chug a can of pussy. But I can't open it. I can't hit a three-pointer without banking it in. I think I suck ass and this poem sucks. I'm a freaking hipster. I look like Jeffrey Dahmer with gigantism. Sometimes, and this is true, sometimes I just look in the mirror and I say pussy 1,000 times. I am the Little Caesar's pizza you eat when you want to die. I'm the boyfriend you had when you were 18 and you wanted to show your parents you weren't gay. I'm the college futon that you jizzed on yourself 
to trick your friends into thinking you were fucking. I'm your entire old post history that you deleted when you joined the DSA. Good morning, world. I'm a fucking nerd, dickweed, bitch, hot to trot, mama's boy, pussy ass, dipshit, sucker. And you know what the thing is? I'm what you roll over to see on Sunday morning. Fuck you. Fuck you, dumbass. So we ran over on time, and we got this whole other thing booked. And um, yeah, who are you, by the way? <laughs> you know, sometimes venues like this will do this thing where they book two shows to like make more money, you know. But yeah, you did okay, you to, son. It's you time can, for you, you to get out of here. You've gone over. You know what I am? You know who I am? You know who I am? All right, you can go back there now. You know who I am? I'm nobody. <laughs> you're damn right, you're nobody. Give it up for nobody. I actually knew that his name was nobody, by the way. Because I am a psychic, welcome to The Other Side and Beyond. My name is Darius Spoon. My name is Otis Coriander. I was on a former podcast known as the Zodiac Cast, where we talked about astrology. Now, I had to, you know, my friend Chimp Tuffy, we hit it big time on the Ellen DeGeneres slots in Atlantic City. We won about six grand. We moved out to L.A. So he could pursue his dream in improv comedy. Now, Chimp, he's still in L.A., but he's legally barred from practicing any psychic abilities or for money, obviously. So Chimp is running his improv group all week, every week, the Chimps. And, uh, you know, I hooked up with these guys. These guys are psychics like myself. They do... Uh 12 shows a week, shows and a week. they have to pay um, they to pay do those They pay the venues $300 every day to do a show. But it's his dream, and I support him. But, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still doing my own thing. I am a former military psychic, and my colleague will be out just momentarily, Moeller. He served with me in the military, and uh, Moeller was a psycho to me in the forces. This is Moeller himself. Um, he has been a, a brother to me, and everything I've been through, he was there with me. Everything we went through, we'll be talking about that tonight, but I want to greet him and give him a big hand. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> give him your name, give him the introduction, tell him who you are, brother. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Pythagoras Moeller. <laughs> apologies for being late, especially apologies to my colleagues, but, you know, it's ironic. I started being late more when I always knew what time it was going to be. It's a little joke I've told to Delta Force, SEAL Team 6, and Jeffrey Epstein's prison guards. <laughs> now, I've been psychic my entire life, obviously. It goes through, it's maternal. My mother was a psychic. One of those things, we don't have to go in the whole thing. But, you know, unlike other psychics who choose to take their talents to Vegas, sometimes Reno, I chose to take mine to give back to the country that gave so much to me. And amen, I, brother. Amen. Amen, bro. This is where I met this fine gentleman. We were both, we were both psychics in the military. You know, after we got our, our pensions, he, of course, became a psychic for a middle school. I worked, at, I worked in the middle school as a middle school psychic. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot there, and I was really grateful for my time. But my time with, uh, you know, Mueller here was really special. We were 
the only two psychics over in the whole Middle East where you know where that is, and uh, it's not good. There is a and lot we, of... We would search for p potential bombs. We would search for people potentially hiding, terrorists, uh, extremists, and we'd search for IUDs with our psychic powers. <laughs> and now we're home, and we're, we're combating the things, the struggles we deal with every day in psychic warfare, because the things you're dealing with today are just as rough as the soldiers over there. Believe me, I've seen it, he's seen it, and it's not good, especially with this carrot we got in the big office right now. Yeah, we would try to read. I was expecting a bigger applause for that, but okay. Did you get my psychic message? Oh yeah, I got it. Um, you said you're gonna be here right now. Yes, I predicted that you would be here. He, he said, you said, I'll be there when I'm there. So you're right, you are here. My name is Milk Valentino. I'm a psychic, former hypnotist, I don't want to go into it, and I'm a medium that contacts the spirits of the dead. You guys know what those are, right? Ghosts, ghouls, goblins, goobers, zombies, Draculas, vampires, werewolves, werewolves, right? What? I think they might still be alive. I mean, I know- Nevertheless- I believe the biggest. I have known these men we were here to men. do a psychic gathering. I have met them a long time ago right, in the conference in Ohio. You gentlemen remember? So me and uh, Mueller I remember over it before there. It we happened. were Mueller and I were driving to a conference in Las Vegas. We were in the, my Tesla and we put on cruise control. We both fell asleep, <laughs> and we ended up in Cincy, Ohio. That's Dirty right. Cincy. Where we met. Uh, our good friend here, Milk, at the Since conference. Since short for Cincinnati. Thank you. And we, we, met him at, uh, we met him at the conference there. And we didn't know... It was the Best Western. It was the George W. Bush Memorial. The thing that we, the, we, knew he was a, we knew he was a psychic because I tried to read his thoughts instantly. I said, what kind of drink does this guy like to drink? And he put up a, a shield, like a shield barricade. And I hadn't seen that since I met my man Muller over here. But That's the difference between him and him is my man over here let me right in. Thing is, weird thing about psychics, we only really let each other in by blocking each other out. But once I saw that brother's aura, I was like, why don't you just take your shoes off? Otherwise, you're welcome here. <laughs> Ever since then, we've been, uh, we've been going around, we've been gathering information, and we've been teaching folks about how to deal with psychic warfare. We've been talking about their dead friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a lot of them. The list of two, you know, the comedy rule of twos. Well, I'd just like to say this crowd gave uh, inadequate um, respect for our troops and for the service that you guys have put in. So I just want to say that I am, uh, the kind of psychic work I do is not as important as what you guys do, maybe. I'm a psychic to the stars. Um, and you've stars probably are heard, troops? You've probably heard, oh, troops are stars. That's they one play it in the movies. But the type of star that I'm thinking of is more like, uh, you know, might have heard of DJ Khaled. Ooh, DJ Khaled. I have heard of DJ Khaled. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. I do remember that. So, you know, you know we're, him and I, we're, you know, we're kind of texting. We're always working on something. I'm, I'm giving him psychic advice. That's why he's had so many hits. That's why, I mean... Despite my efforts, the iTunes servers are always going down when his albums come out, and he's always on the phone with Tim Cook and whatever, but... Well, if I'm not mistaken, and we're here to talk about this great audience with the kind of psychic energy, why don't we all go into how we developed 
our psychic powers? Or did I miss that already? Well, me and Muller definitely honed ours in the military. They'd make us go in there and talk to each other through our minds. We would go over there. We, we interrogated many Muslim extremists. Oh, that's how that's pronounced. And we would try to find out what they knew. Unfortunately, the only thing we ever found out was what they had for lunch. Oh, lunch interrogation. What was it? Well, we just say, who are you? What do you know? Why do you, is it, there's a requisite in military psychicism that you have to talk like Nick Cage. I don't know who that is. Me neither. So me and Muller, we went in there and we, we would find the Muslim extremists. And we'd Why'd you hunt point them at out. him? <laughs> well, I've, him well you know, I have read the entire mind of a man who memorized the Quran before and that <laughs> technically does make me a Muslim, but I have respect for That's all the religions. <laughs> Well, I heard that if somebody places a Quran on the ground, you will not step on it, so. You heard wrong. These are dangerous people. <laughs> <laughs> Make no mistake. I gained my psychic abilities late in life. I, I was, was born with mine. Well, good for you boys, but I was born late in life with mine. I sat down in the shower for so long that I got septic shock. And I was hospitalized for two weeks. And I nearly died. I was in and out, in and out, in and out. And they had to remove part of my butt. And when I came out, all of a sudden, you know, kind of like if anyone is familiar with the hit film that spawned a NBC TV series, uh, Constantine, when you go to the other side, and I did go to hell because I was partaking in a lot of very sexual erotic hypnotism at the time, you come back with certain abilities to see things that can't be unseen. And it's a blessing and it's a curse, but I can use my abilities for good now in hopes that perhaps God will forgive me for my past crimes, thus alleviating kind of the burden that destines me to hell, if everyone is following this. Uh, yeah, I was about 30 minutes ahead of you. I was, I was listening to this before you said it, so... Right, well, I predicted you're he was going to talk me, for a while. Anything. I predicted that he was going to speak for a while, so I just let him go, because... I'm psychic. As everyone knows, I am also psychic. I was, um, I was, of course, you know, honed into someone that could serve others in the military, my brother over there, but I always knew I was different from other kids. I uh, first knew something was up, you know, in middle school when I won an argument by successfully predicting the plot of the third season of Prison Break before <laughs> it had even started filming. I always had this sense of premonition, but it wasn't until you know, I started serving something greater than myself that I felt like I could really use my powers. And, you know, that's what brings us here today. I remember my first psychic prediction. It happened on September 10th, 2001. <laughs> I was talking to my friend DJ Khaled. Back then he was CPA Khaled because he wasn't doing the DJ stuff yet. He was working as an accountant. And, and we had a... Uh, you know, we had a conversation. We're like, let's start a record label. I'm a Darius Spoon. You know, it was Khaled, Spoon, Music Records, so KSM Records. And then I got a phone call that day from a guy, KSM, and he was like, hey, you can't make that record label. I'm making that record label from my acts that I want to put out there. And I was like, well, okay, sir. I'll back off. I'm not going to make the label. But he said something peculiar at the end. He's like, I might do 9-11 tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I made my first psychic prediction that he was telling the truth. 
So I told Khaled, don't go to your job as a CPA. It saved you, his life. I have an interesting 9-11 story as well. Because okay, I'm, whoa, whoa, I want to stop you at that. I'm I, I want to hear your story about 9-11, but the thing about 9-11 is that if that tragedy did not occur to the American people, Mueller and I wouldn't have jobs and thousands of other Americans wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> it wouldn't have been able to serve for the freedom of you and you and you and you and you. That's right. You know, it's like... Don't thank me. That may, it's that just may my be, job. That may be controversial. That may be controversial to you in the audience. I'm looking at your minds and I can see that you're hurt by it. But the thing is, sometimes God has to cancel the shield to air Sons of Anarchy. All right, you can may tell it, brother. You may tell your. Oh, uh, uh, my anecdote. Well, I don't know what thing. that means, but you may tell your story. It's like a little joke, but it's not funny, so you don't laugh. I don't at find it. anything funny about Americans dying. Well, you, you, I mean, it gets you a job, so it's like ironic at the very least. But anyway, so I'm the guy that warned Peter Griffin not to get on an airplane <laughs> on September 11th so that he would still stay alive. And Peter Griffin is alive today, and he's created Family Guy. He's created Black Family Guy. He's created um, Brian the Dog. He created Stewie the Little Baby. And all that stuff has kind of come through because I'm saying, hey, I got a bad feeling about this. Well, that's wonderful. I want to talk to the crowd a little bit here. So I'm looking at all of you, and I can read all your minds, and I'm seeing a lot of bad things going on. <laughs> I don't know what you think I think, but I'm not judgmental. So you, sir, what's your name, sir? What's your name? Chris. So Chris, <laughs> you lost your mother yesterday. <laughs> He's lying. He lost his mother yesterday. I can see the pain in his eyes. Oh, is that how you can tell? You see the pain in his eyes? I see his eyes. I see pain. I think think his pain in my mind, which is a more advanced form of being a psychic. It doesn't matter how you feel. Sir, could you open your eyes wider so that perhaps maybe we can see, start seeing pain and maybe registering it within it? We're going to stop picking on Chris. We're going to pick on someone else. So you guys go next. All right. So so I, I always like doing this when I have an audience with me, right? I like to kind of... Get people that want to talk to their dead relatives. Is there anyone in the audience today that'd like to talk to a dead relative of theirs? Let's get you. You're right up here, so I don't have to move that far. What's your name, sir? Philip. Philip, who'd you like to talk to today? Um, I have a lot of dead relatives, so any of them would probably, would probably do. You gotta give me a fucking name, Phil. Holy fucking shit. Well, let's just go. It's like, a, you think dead ghosts are just a bus stop and I pick anybody up? Give me a fucking name, Phil. I swear to God. I'd like to uh, talk to my great, 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 great uncle who uh, <laughs> lived in the, in the South in the um, mid to early 1800s. And um, <laughs> just like his take on What's his name? His name is Benjamin. All right, I'm going to look for Benjamin. He was alive a long time ago. He was probably racist, probably did a bunch of bad stuff, because back then, really, nobody was really that great, if we want to be honest with it. But perhaps you can tell me maybe an anecdote that only you would know about him so that I can better contact him. So just tell me any factoid about him that, that he would be able to say to you to prove that he's actually... Your great, 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 great uncle. An anecdote. Well, um, 
I heard a story about him, which was that uh, during some sort of conflict, um, pos possibly uh, initiated by um, thugs of some kind on the, the left or the right or the center who... Uh, <laughs> That was not political terms back then. It wasn't a thing. Um, back then it was about the North and the South. Then it became about the left and the right later. <laughs> Times were really simpler then. Speed it up, Phil. I, Come on now. I heard that he, uh, he looked out his window at, the, uh, at all the people and thought um, at that moment, uh, I have lived too long. All right, let me start channeling Benjamin, who was alive a long time ago in the South. Probably a very shallow pool that goes there, if somebody can give me their energy. Oh, Benjamin, we beseech thee. Benjamin. No, just, just touch, touch my him. hand. No, okay, just touch all right, him. guys. All right, Come on, brother. Touch him. Give me an inch. Give me Benjamin. an inch. Give me an inch, brother. Come and talk to us. There we go. There talk we go. Oh, Philip. we want you here. We want you here. We oh, we want you here, Benjamin. Come on in, brother. Water's nice. I'm Benjamin. I was alive a long time ago in the generalized South. <laughs> and I want you, Philip, to know that I'm real because a long, long time ago, I had an anecdote. <laughs> and you can know I'm the real one. And we've been looking, Philip. Me and all the angels in heaven, that's right, Confederate soldiers all went to heaven. That's right. We've been looking down on you, Philip, and guess what? You're not about your paper. We've been watching you. You ain't about your paper, boy. You ain't getting no money. All right? You got a stroke, a fucking, like a dog stroke. Ashamed you. Bet you thought I was going to tell you where some gold was or something. But guess what? Been watching you, Philip. Not proud of you. Ashamed of you. I was alive a long time ago. I'm a racist. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing that and doing that for this man over here. What happened? What happened? What happened? You just gave this man a mean live. Oh, I'm glad I did that. This man was broken up over losing his great-great-uncle 170 years greater ago. Greater than that. Even greater. One of the oldest uncles in his family tree, and he never even got to see his face. I just assume anyone from over 100 he was years like, ago was they, a Confederate him and his, soldier. Him and, him and that relative were like the LMFAO of the Confederacy. Exactly. <laughs> Nephew, uncle, excellence, and they were... They would be great together now, and I respect and honor those veterans of our great country. Well, you know, that was a very compelling vision that we all just witnessed, but I think we may need to move on to uh, talking about some horoscopes. That's what people came out to hear is their horoscope now, this morning. I, I, I thank you for bringing it up. Now, as you know, I was all on the Zodiac cast. I'm an expert on astrology, which is just sports for women. <laughs> <laughs> now... It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean anything. They're both very good. <laughs> but we're going to go through the horoscopes. I'm going to read a horoscope for a, a few signs, and I'll pass along to one of my colleagues here. So I'm going to start out with the Aries, of course. So Aries, this is your horoscope. You will win a scratcher for four bucks. <laughs> you will finally beat Dark Souls. <laughs> you will get bangs. <laughs> <laughs> 
you will find yourself more attractive than usual and decide to hook up with yourself. <laughs> all right, Taurus. All you Taurus out there. You make a bunk batch of kombucha and get gastritis. <laughs> and you're going to use up all of your diarrhea reserves and maybe have to go to urgent care. You will also watch Blade 2 on mute while in the waiting room. You overdraft again as well, I'm sorry. You will die. It's not the end. You will find an Allen Iverson Pistons jersey at Salvation Army. And tomorrow you're going to drive a tank. And the last one is Gemini. Everyone's least favorite sign. You're fucked. Good luck. That's it. All right. Continuing on with the horoscope. I know we divvied up responsibility here through a psychic connection in which we told ourselves about it beforehand. Um, was it Libra or Libra? Libra? It's whatever you want to say, brother. This is America here. L Libra. Okay. Which I believe is a Spanish book. There has been a moon alert issued in your advisory as of 9.34 oh, p.m. Oh, I hope you all have your gems, your, your quartz. Do not your make any important decisions at this time. Do not go outside. There's a moon alert. The presidential alert system has been mobilized. You will receive a text soon. You'll be unlucky in love. If you ask for a promotion, you will get a demotion. There's a moon alert. There's a fucking Code 5 moon alert. It's a moon right. alert, folks. If you don't know what that means, just trust us. Trust us. It's a moon alert. It's a big deal. Scorpio. I would lock down a, I would lock down a, a base, I'm sorry, in Iraq over yeah. a moon alert. They would lock down. They would scramble the jets. Food. Me and yeah. Muller over here, we'd get in our gear and we'd roam the desert until we puked. Just blasting at sand. We would be in Joshua Tree excreting from every orifice until this place was safe. <laughs> the thing is, is we're kind of like, we're out there in the desert, we're scoping stuff out, we're like Tom DeLong of Blink-182. Instead of looking for UFOs, we're looking for Muslim extremists who also use UFOs. No angel, well. There are no angels in our way or waves, brother. <laughs> but we are going on the adventure. You're here. All is right. That good or bad? I'm not sure. Let me continue with the horoscopes. Did you uh, finish your horoscopes there? Let's go there. Scorpios, there's a moon alert. <laughs> <laughs> the moon has last been seen driving a 1994 Toyota Tercel. <laughs> the moon is armed and considered very dangerous. Do not look for love. Don't touch any money. Your family will betray you. There's a moon alert. You're lucky number seven. What do you want from us? Lucky number seven, though. Lucky number seven. Your sexual partners are filled with secrets. Avoid corn. It's very easy. There's a moon alert. Sorry, Scorpios. More bad news. And then for Sagittarius, which, if I am familiar, it's... The old archer. It's bows and arrows, Right. Like I said, the old archer. Mm -hmm. Like from Small Soldiers, the leader of the Gorgonites. Oh, archer, I'm familiar with which that. Was, that movie was inspiration for me to join this, the armed forces. Because right. I saw Major Chip Hazard was there. Even though they're the bad guys, 
Chip yeah, Hazard, Army Rick Bazooka, Kip Killigan, Nick Nitro. Yeah. And they were defeated by the Michigan Dogman. That's what Archer is, essentially, right. yes. So it's just kind of that movie is like de facto proof of cryptozoology. The great thing about that movie is, you know, you got an all-star cast. you got Dennis Leary, you got uh, David Cross, you got Jay Moore, and you got Kirsten Dunst, and you have whoever that kid is who plays Alan Avery. you got three guys that are famous for stealing jokes in a blonde. Sagittarius. Shooting bows and arrows and whatnot. All right? There's a fucking moon alert. The moon has been seen going south on the Queen's Expressway with three hostages. You are most likely related to them or they are former lovers of yours. Do not speak at or look at anybody, okay? Blood is on the air. God's a fucking mirage, all right? And you were born with no air in your lungs. Smell the fucking putrid air and lean into the lie of your life. It's a fucking moon alert. There's a moon alert. You're a born victim. There's a moon alert. Your lucky number is four million. You're here. Well, good news for Leo's is that the moon alert is over. <laughs> However, your star sign is in the ninth position and Jupiter is misconfigured. I repeat, Jupiter is misconfigured. You will be cursed with wealth. The millions won't much mean like, a thing. Much like future. Exactly. You'll be a lot like future. Future must be a Leo. I'm just guessing because this is a lot like future right here. Well, future is like, I feel like he's the only, he's got to be the only rapper who's a psychic. <laughs> yeah. His name is Future. He was supposed to be here tonight, but he had a different uh, obligation. He has five different children with five different women because he said, well, I must have a child with that woman because I predicted it. <laughs> and now he's cursed and sad because he lives in the mansion with models and he doesn't have anyone to love. And Russell Westbrook's raising, raising his kids, so it's fine. Yeah, Future Junior was his name. <laughs> yeah. With Ciara. Playing old pigskin throwing with knew, Russell Westbrook. He knew, Go along, you he Future knew, Two. Westbrook would raise his kids because he knew Westbrook's third moon of Saturn was rising in exactly the right way. Amen. Amen to that. Here, here. Give him a hand. Yeah. We're just lucky he never enlisted. You know, he would because they would they would have never needed us. Future enlisted. Well, he's a little bit younger than us. He's about he's like what twenty one. I think he's eighteen. Something <laughs> around there. So continue. Sorry, brother. Although the third moon of Saturn is rising, and although. The House of the Rising Sun is also rising. The groupie sex will begin to feel transactional. Although you will rap about your problems and make even more money from doing so, and you will own the world's only solid gold Toyota Camry, it will not fill the existential loneliness cursing your existence. Your life will be much harder than those of the simple yokels who make minimum wage doing work that's actually productive. In fact, it would be easier if you had to be them. That's Leo for you. Virgo, um, you will get an extra fry in the next thing of McDonald's fries. So if you're a little extra hungry, you should probably go pretty soon before the, this offer expires at the end of the lunar month. And then you lastly, to tell uh, them you're Leo when you go in or what? No, that one was for Virgo. Oh, so whatever. if you told them you're a Leo, you're definitely not getting the fry. They might take one your, out, actually. You're licensed, and they, they know. Yeah, exactly. Just show the ID. So uh, my last one here is cancer. Um, have you seen those pink ribbons they wear in the NFL and that some people have on their trucks? Those are because cancer kills women. 
For this reason, cancer is canceled. If you are a cancer, security will be coming around to escort you out of the venue. Be prepared to show your ID to prove your date of birth and text your mom to ask what time of day you were born so they can ascertain your star chart thing. That was powerful. So we're starting our, starting our roll off with Capricorn. With Brandon, the moon of Saturn, and your Venus's taint, you will find yourself more open to adventures, business ideas, and just chilling with your uncle. <laughs> However, watch out for the black hole sun, which may cause you to cross paths with a dishonest Portuguese. Aquarius, let's get splashy. Did someone say Venus rising? Your question, hotshot. You wish it was. <laughs> but really, it's vibe season, spelled S-Z-N. There's a strange astrological phenomenon where all stars and planets are invisible, but a large being in the sky is listening to Juice World and Instagram messaging 300 women. Big, <laughs> big single vibes, huh? <laughs> Pisces. One of, the most, one of the disgusting British people with filth-based dreadlocks left some shit at Stonehenge. And as a result, your Gemini moon got up at noon, knocked a Costco soft cookie off his counter with his 60% heart on, half-heartedly cleaned up the crumbles while playing Tom Joyner morning show funniest moments on speaker on his phone. You will accomplish very little for the rest of the year. So... My prediction is that we have to get out of here pretty soon, but I wanted to leave a couple more useful predictions. You know, I'm not going to give my stock tips that I have that are all golden, because that's like too much for, you know, a, a ticket of this price. But I had a couple more tips I want to give you. We could maybe make some money off. If you can figure out the dates, these are the correct basketball scores coming up. Uh, Lakers 107, Clippers 102. Um, Lakers 27, Rockets 21. That's just the first quarter, but you can figure it out. Um, Lakers 138, Bulls 122 in overtime. Uh, there's another Lakers 107, Clippers 102 on a different date. Hopefully you guys can make use of that somehow. You could become a rich man. I just want to say as my prediction that I think that America will unite against this horrible mess we're in. Against... Antifa? <laughs> well, those are his dogs. Antifa are, are Commander El Cheeto's dogs. And we know this. I think you're getting your conspiracies mixed up. It's no conspiracy, man. Oh, Earl, it's all right. I predicted this, and I know this. Together, we can all come together, and we can pray, and we can fight, because we are all psychics. Though they aren't psychics. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to tell them that. Just... But they can tell if they're psychics or not. Anyway, of being an open psychic is admitting when we're wrong. And my prediction that we were going to spend half the show talking about Jeffrey Epstein did not come true. Oh, so. my God. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, only a few references. Uh, yeah. No one could have predicted that, but... Yeah, I think it got played out by, like, 3 o'clock, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's the same thing as doing, like, the, you know, the hogs thing at this point. That's Honestly, what I predicted. We were talking about Epstein before it was cool, right? You guys, you guys can, be, can joke and everything, but no one is guilty until proven guilty. And a man, <laughs> an innocent man, was mil murdered today. He was murdered. A man yeah. died. Yeah. But I, I think um, I'm getting a psychic transmission uh, from our friend oh, David Blaine, the Arch Wizard, David yeah. Blaine. Oh. Our leader, David Blaine, is hailing us. 
Um, for those that don't know, um, we are the Wizards of Six. There's two other guys that are not missing here. One of them is Banksy, funny enough. But um, we are the Wizards of Six, and we are the minions of David Blaine, and he is psychically calling us to go help him. He's having some kind of incident in the, what was that, Manhattan? Got to help us get rid of something? Okay. All right. Uh, before, yeah, look, but we got to tend to this. Before we go, I do have one prediction that may help you guys, you know, if you're investing, if you're saving money. Enron is coming back. I don't know when, but <laughs> yeah, it's coming back, Enron and this too. time they're doing it right. Also, on top of Enron, you got Monsanto, Blackwater, Eric Prince. Keep your eyes on that man. He will make you a prince yourself. All the hits. 2000s nostalgia is coming back. But, uh, That's right. right. So we got the shuttle waiting for us, so I'll take care of the crowd. I'll, I'll, I'll do my thing. All right. You guys get out of here. Go meet with David. I'll be there in a second. All right. Okay. Thank you, brother. Thank you for uh, everything, okay. everyone. So I mentioned briefly that I used to be a hypnotist, and I save it for very special occasions. We've gone through a very important thing, and in fact, I have revealed too much information tonight. So everyone remains seated. I'm going to do a kind of, mm, I guess, men in black thing. For you guys to understand. Now, the reason I haven't done any hypnotism in a long time is because I bimbofied that entire college on accident. <laughs> I didn't mean to. There's no more fraternities. The sororities quadrupled, and everybody was bimbofied. And you know what? They're living happy lives. It's great. It's fine now. But you know, a pending lawsuit and whatnot is a lot of personal responsibility that I want to deal with. So I want everyone to watch my finger and go tick, tock, tick. Talk. Imagine that sound in your head as I keep going. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, and whatnot. You understand how it works. It's a clock. It's a clock. <laughs> All right. You're going to wonder. You're going to think. You're going to be calm. You're going to see tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. I want you to think about Men in Black. I want you to think about Will Smith. I want you to think about Tommy Lee Jones. I want you to think about the amazing character actor. I think it's Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> and how he had his spaceship trapped in that truck that was for ants or whatever. And guess what? They came, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, and they wiped all their minds away. And you're thinking about that tick-tock, 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 and you're thinking about all their minds being gone, their minds be wiped. And you're not thinking about us going to go help up, clean up Jeffrey Epstein's fake corpse. You're not thinking about that fake corpse of Jeffrey Epstein picture from the internet where the ears are wrong. You're not thinking about that. You're not thinking about any of that. You're just thinking about Vincent D'Onofrio. Wow, what a good character actor. What a good character actor he was. Sugar, water. You remember that scene. And for such a shitty movie, it was an amazing performance. You're thinking about the amazing performance that Vincent D'Onofrio did. And he would never get a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for that because it's Men in Black. Let's be serious. But honestly, he deserved it. How else could a bug be portrayed that well? And you're thinking about that, that, that. And you're not thinking about Jeffrey Epstein's living body walking around, going back to a new sex island. You'd think he had only one. Are you fucking kidding me? Jeffrey Epstein walking to his new sex island. You're not thinking about that. Strutting to it. You're, here, you're hearing the Cool Hand Luke soundtrack as he's walking to it. I guess I got away with something. No, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about Vincent D'Onofrio. One, two, one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. And you're all going to fall asleep here and you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. <laughs>
wish the money changed me. Still rich, sad, and sleepy.